everybody, it's Jasmine Nicole, and I am back on another episode of Seasoned Crime, where we are here to tell you another story about a minority. Today's story is about Rebecca Zhao. Rebecca was born in present-day Myanmar, March 15th, 1979. She spent some time living in Nepal and Germany, and then she ended up settling in the United States. Rebecca got married to a nursing student named Neil Palipa in 2002. They divorced in 2011, but before the divorce was fully complete, Rebecca began dating the CEO of Medicis Pharmaceutical, Jonah Shacknai. Jonah was the second highest paid CEO in Arizona at the time, so, I mean, Jonah had some money money. He had been married twice by the time that Rebecca came around, and he had had two children. Jonah owned a property in Coronado, California that claimed to be located in one of the best locations in San Diego County. Known as Spreckles Mansion, this $15 million estate is where Rebecca and her teenage sister Zena were hanging out on July 11, 2011, along with Jonah's son Max. According to Rebecca, she was using the bathroom and when she came out, she found Max on the floor. It seemed he'd been riding a scooter and somehow had fallen over the second-story balcony. Rebecca yelled for Zena, who quickly called 911. Max was rushed to the hospital after suffering injuries to his spinal cord and his facial bones. The injuries to his face were so severe that they were causing issues to his breathing and his heart rate. Five days after this terrible accident, Max succumbed to his injuries. So, terrible, terrible thing um Rebecca's at the house Rebecca and her sister at the house and according to Rebecca you know she was in the restroom her sister was away in another room and she came out of the bathroom and saw that Max had fallen over the banister so remember Max's accident happened on June 11th so on June 12th the day after this horrific accident Rebecca took her sister, Zena, who was with her at the time of Max's accident. She took her back to the airport. So the sister was going back to Missouri. And while at the airport, Rebecca was now picking up Jonah's brother, Adam. Um, Adam had just flown in from Memphis, you know, to be there for Jonah and, you know, his family. Because at this time, remember, it took Max five days before he passed away. And so this being the next day after the accident... Um, Jonah's brother is there. Max's uncle has come to be with the family. So that exact evening, you know, after Rebecca picked him up from the airport, um, Adam, which is the brother, Rebecca and Jonah, they met up with some friends. They went to dinner. When they left the dinner, Adam and Rebecca, they went back to the Spreckles mansion and Jonah went to go be by Max's bedside to the remainder of the evening. So I'm not sure if, you know, why... They didn't all go to the, um, why didn't they all go with Max or why they didn't all go back? I don't know. But Jonah went back to Max and Rebecca and Adam went back to the mansion. So back at the mansion, the neighbors said that they heard really loud music all throughout the night. But other than that, from the outside looking in, everything seemed normal. However, on the inside, things were anything. But around 6.45 a.m. the morning of June 13th, Adam finds Rebecca's nude body hanging from the balcony with her hands and her feet bound. She had a long sleeve shirt wrapped around her head with the sleeves of the shirt knotted in her mouth 
and there was what appeared to be duct tape residue on her legs. So Adam attempted to do CPR, but he wasn't getting anywhere from it. So within minutes of him finding her, Adam texted Jonah to let him know what had happened, and he also called 911. When the paramedics got there, Rebecca wasn't hanging anymore. Adam said that he had cut her down before they got there because he didn't want anyone to see her like that. The paramedics worked really hard to try to revive Rebecca, but they failed to do so, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. So, think about it. Now we have Max, the son, who had the terrible accident, and the next day we now have the girlfriend who has, you know, been found dead at the mansion. I mean, again, it's a little bit strange. So um, there were a few more things about the scene that were really strange as well. The rope that Rebecca was hanging from, it was tied to a bedpost in the bedroom. And painted on the door in that bedroom was a message that says, quote, she saved him so you could save her, end quote. I mean, obviously, foul play was suspected from the very beginning. So they, of course, they did an autopsy on Rebecca's body to try to figure out, you know, what may have been going on, if there was any, you know, toxicology reports, they did forensic reports and all of those things. So they ran all the tests, but all of the tests came back with absolutely nothing. They didn't even find outside DNA at the scene. The only DNA that was found at the scene was Rebecca's. Um, So they didn't even find DNA from another party at the scene at all. In regards to the fingerprints, there weren't any. At the actual scene, there were no fingerprints. Not even Rebecca's. There There was a lot more than that that no one could fully explain. I mean, if things didn't get even a little bit more estranged, it turns out after further review, the knots that were tied that bound Rebecca's hands and feet, those knots were known as nautical knots. Now, depending on who you talk to, some may say that they're hard to tie, and some may feel that maybe, you know, they aren't that hard. So, either way, the part that really raises some eyebrows is that those knots are very common for people who work on or near boats. Again, they're called nautical knots um, because those that's where they're most commonly found to be done at. Coincidentally, Adam, Jonah's brother, and the only other person that was home when Rebecca died was a tugboat pilot. So he worked on the water. He worked on the boats. The neighbor clearly remembered hearing screaming coming from the house the night that Rebecca died, but For whatever reason, the cops didn't really think this meant anything, so they never really followed up into this. On September 2, 2011, the San Diego County Sheriff's Department concluded that Rebecca's death was the result of a suicide. Now, to some people, they were able to make sense of this. I mean, yes, obviously, there were some wild occurrences that happened, but nothing else could be proven. However, there were also people who didn't agree at all that this was a suicide. According to Rebecca's family, this was ludicrous. There was no way at all that Rebecca would commit suicide. And let's be real, like, 
I mean, again, there were a lot of holes in this story. They they had reasons to believe that maybe this isn't, you know, as cut and dry as suicide. One of the things that raised suspicion in this case is that there were four different instances of head trauma found during the autopsy on Rebecca. So the San Diego medical examiner, Jonathan Lucas, was quoted saying, because there was evidence that she went over the balcony in a non-vertical position, she may have struck her head on the balcony on the way down. There were a couple others who agreed with this as well. Werner Spritz, an expert witness who testified in the Casey Anthony trial, stated, when the body first dropped, she doesn't necessarily jump to her death. So, she would drop directly downward, and she could easily hit against the side of the structure from which she's hanging. Now, not everyone agreed with this, though. Forensic consultant Dr. Maurice Goodwin said, the chances of bumping into the railing, going over the balcony, and hitting your head four times is unlikely. The fact that both her hands and feet were bound was also confusing to people. I mean, I mean, a lot of people thought there was no way she could bind her hands and feet together on her own without help from anyone. So San Diego Sheriff Roy Frank did speak to this, saying, quote, There are documentations of incidents throughout the country where people have secured their hands and feet as well to commit suicide, end quote. So he believes this would be done to prevent a person from possibly changing their mind in the middle of it. The police did end up showing a reenactment video to prove that this was possible. The woman in the video was shown wrapping the rope around her hands in front of her several times. Once that was done, one hand was slipped out, then both arms were placed behind her back, at which point she rebound the hand that was removed. The bound hand then tightened with an aid that could have been a string that was similar to one that was found in Rebecca's hand when they found Rebecca. Police did everything they could think of to see if there was any definite proof of foul play. They served Verizon and AT&T with warrants for Rebecca's billing records and the actual cell records. They found that between 8 and 10 that night, Rebecca was talking and texting her older sister Mary, who confirmed that during the time she was speaking with Rebecca, Rebecca did make it home safely. Around 10.48 that evening, Rebecca received a text from a Nina Romano. Nina was the twin sister of Jonah's ex-wife. She was reaching out to Rebecca to talk about Max. So again, remember, at this time, Max is still in the hospital. Again, Rebecca and her sister were the only ones at the house when Max, when his terrible accident happened. So I guess, you know, Max's aunt is reaching out. Rebe- that, that message that Nina sent, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca never sent any reply to that message. The next time something happened was at 12.50 a.m. Rebecca checked her voicemail, and according to the police, the message was in regards to Max's worsening condition, and the message was deleted. The billing records that police obtained didn't give them any idea as to who the message had been from, but Mary, Rebecca's older sister, said that the message was from Jonah. The family didn't get to actually hear the message for themselves to confirm this, though. There was nothing that can be said that would convince the family that the story of suicide could be true. Rebecca's family ended up hiring high-profile attorney Ann Bremner. Ann believed that the suicide ruling was extremely suspicious and ended up taking the case pro bono. She brought in renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Cyril Retch to perform Rebecca's second autopsy. 
Dr. Wetch ended up testifying to his findings in court. During this trial, Wetch said he believed that the fractures in Rebecca's neck actually showed proof of manual strangulation and not a suicidal hanging as was previously reported. Dr. Wetch strongly believed that Rebecca's death was in fact a homicide and not a suicide. There were other things within the autopsy that Dr. Wetch found that just weren't adding up from him. It was odd that Rebecca's hair didn't get wrapped or tangled up in the rope at all. Even with her hair in a ponytail, it was still long enough to where it was expected to have even a few hairs within the ties that would have been hyperextended if not fully pulled out once Rebecca was hanging. So again, just remember, if she's hanging, her hair was in a ponytail, but it was still long enough to where he's saying it should have got caught in the rope or the noose around her neck. The fact that they were not a single hair was caught in there was strange. It was also very rare for women to commit suicide nude, especially when so much time was spent prepping. So again, Rebecca um, bound her hand and she tied the rope around the bedpost. Um, there was the message on the door. So he's saying the fact that all of this was done prior and she was nude. Um, you normally don't find that, especially with women. Women normally think about like the after. Women normally think about who's going to find them or you know how they're going to be found more. And so it's very rare for that a woman to do that nude, he's saying. The worst of it all was that the evidence showed that Rebecca was sexually assaulted prior to her death. When the public got a hold of the story, there was a lot of media scrutiny in regards to the deaths of both Max and Rebecca. This story made international headlines. Everyone from Dr. Phil to, to Dateline stories trying to explain how or if any of this was really possible. The true crime world turned this story in and out, and yet a lot of people have a lot of doubts about the conclusions of the investigators. There was just so many holes in the story, it was laughable to some how the investigators claimed to the conclusion of suicide. To this day, Rebecca's family still believes that there was foul play involved. They have since launched a website, justiceforrebecca.org, to help raise money to get donations so they can continue to do their own independent investigation to try to prove um, any foul play. But as of today, nothing additional has been proven. And that is the story of Rebecca Zal.